Well, when, uh, when Austin Carlisle was in high school, he lost his mom. His mom passed away due to a rare genetic disease. And as he left the hospital and as he started to process all that grief and that anger, he turned it into music and he began uh, the band of Mice and Men somewhere in the late 2000s. And, and they began to uh, gain some momentum and record some albums and started to go on tour and, uh, in, in the late 2000s, 2008, 9, 10, 11, and uh, toured with likes of uh, Linkin Park and Metallica and hit all the festivals and stuff. It was discovered that his mom had a rare uh, genetic disease called Marfan syndrome, and it affects the connective tissue of the body. And through some DNA testing, uh, Austin discovered that he had that as well. And as he was touring and as his band was climbing the ladder of success, he started going through his own health problems. And he went through heart surgery to try and repair some things, and he wanted to keep going. But his doctors kept saying, you can't. And every night he performed, he was in agony. And his body was just riddled with pain, and he was falling apart. He says this, I saw music as my new God. I could yell into a mic and get all that rage and hate out. But everything I was was in that band. And I walked away. I knew God was calling me to do something different. But I was so confused as to what it was. He eventually had to leave the band. He couldn't go on doing that. And he went to Costa Rica where his dad was a pastor and he began to teach music and he began to coach baseball and he started doing sound in his dad's church. And through a series of meetings, God started to work on his heart and his life. Some people prayed for him and not only did he turn his heart back towards Jesus, God healed his body as well. And he he says that, you know, his whole life direction, everything he had and was, his mom and his band and his music, it was all gone. Uh, People closest to him and his dreams all dead. But God resurrected that and made something new and something better. And that's the story of Easter. That's the truth we celebrate today. Not simply that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, whoever you believe or think he is, claims to rise again. And we look back and think it's a wonderful thing. But that Jesus actually did rise again and promised that because he did, he will do the same thing in my life and your life if you believe in him, and if you receive that work for yourself. He takes all those broken pieces, all that brokenness, and he makes something better. He makes something new. He resurrects you, and he brings new life. That through death, Jesus conquered death. Through taking the punishment of our sin, he renders sin powerless so that we might be changed. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we're so excited about. And that's what we want the world to know. And if you want to know more about Austin's story in his own words, you can check our social media this afternoon or go to imsecond.com and look for his story there. It's quite amazing, a lot more than I was able to share. And on a Friday, a little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth was condemned and crucified. Not in a haphazard way, but by professional Roman executioners. They confirmed he was dead. Though he was innocent and he was put on trial falsely and many false accusations brought against him, he was pronounced dead. And it was on an evening of the Sabbath, and for the Jewish people, Sabbath is holy from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. They would do no work. And it was even a a greater special time than that because they were celebrating the Passover. And Jesus had just Uh, a night before, celebrated the Passover meal, where they celebrate freedom from slavery from Egypt, 
back thousands of years. They, they looked at that and remembered what God had done for them. And Jesus said this would be a different time. And so in the midst of that time as a Jewish people, Jesus died. And the women who followed him didn't have time to fully prepare his body as it was brought off the cross. And a tomb was donated by, uh, uh, at, at least up to that point, a pretty hidden follower of his who was actually part of the Jewish leaders who condemned him to die and had placed some secret belief. And so they prepared his body as best they could and placed him in a tomb and went about their Passover Sabbath. And early on Sunday morning, the women went back. They gathered their things and their spices in their uh, traditional burial customs and went back to the tomb in order to finish preparing Jesus' body and go into the morning and grieving time as would have been customary. Mark is one of the people who writes what's called a gospel in the New Testament. There's four of them, accounts of Jesus, written down so that we would know who Jesus was and could look back with accuracy. And Mark was a young follower who we don't you know, know exactly his whole story of leading up to belief, but definitely we see him in the book of Acts and in the New Testament. And as a young believer, he wrote a, an orderly account. And he would have interviewed eyewitnesses. And scholars think that one of his main key sources may have been Peter. Uh, Peter, one of the apostles. One of the closest three to Jesus. Peter, the one who denied even knowing Jesus on the night of his arrest. But the one who Jesus restored after rising from the dead. And said, you, you're going to be a key part of what I'm doing. You don't know it yet. And so Mark records what happened on that morning. Mark 16, 2 to 6. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way they were asking, these are the women, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Because the Romans who crucified Jesus and the Jewish leaders who got the Romans to do that, neither one of them wanted Jesus to uh, rise again as he had claimed. Not sure they believed it, but they certainly didn't want his disciples and followers faking it. So they placed a large stone over the opening to the cave or to the tomb. And they posted guards there so no one could fabricate anything. And so these women are wondering, how are we going to go about finishing the preparations? How are we going to move this stone? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large. It had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But this young man, an angel, said, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Jesus then appeared to Mary Magdalene, as we heard in the, the other reading. And he appeared, as Gavin prayed, to, to two other men walking on the road. He appeared to his followers, his disciples, his apostles, a few different times. And eventually, Paul the Apostle, a convert to Christianity uh, from being a persecutor, a man who was rounding up Christians to be condemned and killed, had an experience with Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, and turned his life around and wrote half the New Testament. And he says, up to 500 people saw Jesus before Jesus ascended into the heavenly realms with a promise not only that he'll be with us always as we follow him in spirit, 
but that he'll return again to finish what he'd begun in our lives. The resurrection process, he begins at the moment of belief in our hearts to make us new. Eventually, he'll complete with the whole world, a new heaven, new earth, new bodies, just like Jesus, that we might have abundant life on earth and eternal life with him forever. And so these people see Jesus and experience him. And eventually, Jesus being risen from the dead and appearing and doing some more teaching, he ascends into the heavenly realm and says, wait for me in Jerusalem. I've got something way better coming. Where the disciples and his followers had been used to God come down, fully God, fully men, the Son of God, who they would call the Christ, the promised one, or, or the Messiah, the promised one, the one to make all things right, the one who the Jewish people were waiting for. And he goes away and he says, I, I, I've got a better promise. I'm coming in a better way. I'm coming in spirit. Where they walked with him physically. A couple months after he ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes. The, the followers of Jesus are gathered waiting in Jerusalem for this next better part of the plan. And God's Spirit comes and dwells in them so that Jesus' promise, be sure I'll be with you always, is fulfilled. And as part of that, Peter the guy who denied Jesus goes out and he preaches to the crowd. There's another Jewish festival. It's no longer Passover. It's Pentecost. And Jewish people from all over the ancient world are gathered again in Jerusalem. And he preaches a message. And another man by the name of Luke, who actually went through some of the things in the early church that we read in the book of Acts. He's the author of the book of Acts. He's the author of the book of Luke. He puts together this account of Jesus' life and the spread of the early church so that it's accurate and orderly. He's a doctor. He's about details. He interviews eyewitnesses. And he records what Peter preached that day. I'm only going to read a piece of this. Acts 2, 22-24 says this. People of Israel, or Jewish people gathered in Jerusalem for this Pentecost celebration. Listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene. In other words, God the Father was behind him. He's God's son. He is who he said he was. He is the fulfillment of all the prophecies you've been waiting for. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew that would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. Imagine that. God knew he'd be betrayed, and God was working in that. With the help of lawless Gentiles, evil people, they, you nailed him to a cross. You killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Another English translation says, God raised Jesus from the dead and set him free from the pain of death because death could not hold him. Think about it. The political power of the day. Uh, most of us have studied something about Rome in school growing up and and the Roman Empire, and how it swept across the earth. The political superpower of the day thought that by posting guards at the tomb, and because the leader of this movement was dead, that this raging insurgent, uh, insurgency uh, coming against the Jewish people, they thought, would be stomped out. And, and, and the religious leaders of the day, with all the money and all the power in the temple and synagogues all across Israel and throughout ancient world couldn't stop. And death itself couldn't hold Jesus back. Because as many movements as had popped up in that day and age before and after where the leaders were killed by Rome, 
one of two things happened. Either the movement was snuffed out and it stopped, or they picked another one and went, well, that wasn't our guy. <laughs> this person is. No one had someone who rose again, uh, rose from the dead. Now, what makes Christianity especially interesting is how it spread and how quickly. With Rome against it, the temple against it, what was it that made it different? There were no scriptures. There wasn't a the Bible or New Testament that came a few hundred years later off of these accounts that people like Luke and Mark and Paul wrote letters and they gathered these so we'd have an orderly account and we could look back and discover the truth for ourselves. Uh, they had no power. They had no position. They had no money. They weren't organized. They didn't have churches. They just met in homes. And what we can't figure out is why that would happen. The only thing that makes sense was the central belief we gather today to celebrate. They believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, they died for it. This doesn't make any sense. They preached it, they taught it, they died. And they said something along the lines of, when our leader says he's going to die and rise again three days later and does it, that's significant. And so we look back at the Scriptures and see fulfilled in him all the promises we've been waiting for. And more than that, I've experienced it myself. And their story is spread and the movement spreads. Because the story of resurrection is that we can be made new. And a little later in that sermon where Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, people's hearts are so caught up with what he's saying. Their hearts are burning within them and the Holy Spirit is moving on them. And maybe that's happened to you. Maybe that happens to you now. And they say, well, what do we do? Like, what, what do we do about this? This is amazing. And Peter's message is simple, and it's the same message we hear today. He says, simply turn from your way and turn to God's. Turn away from your sinful ways, the way you live your life, the way you run from God. Confess that Jesus is who he said he is, who Scripture's predicted. Confess that you're sinful and have run from God. Repent. That just means turn your life around and decide to follow. Turn from this way, your way, and turn to God. And it's the same message today. For me, that's what makes God God. Because what we read in Acts 2.24, that God knew that through the plans of people who were responding in a, in a wicked and evil way towards Jesus, they didn't even realize what they were doing. We looked Good Friday at that where Jesus forgave them. They don't, didn't know what they were doing, and Jesus says, forgive them. And so we have God's plan fully lived out and happening without overriding our will, without overthrowing superpowers, without undoing the religious system that was prevalent at the day. And so God works in hearts and beneath and underneath and inside lives what we couldn't do on our own, what superpowers and, and really charismatic leaders couldn't do. And God has God's way without overriding our free will and without overpowering humanity. That's what makes God God. That's what resurrection. That death actually defeated death. That the results of sin poured out on Jesus creates freedom from sin. It's crazy. It's wonderful. And it's a truth that we can receive and actually experience. Easter Sunday is not looking back at an event that happened. It's experiencing an event that's happening still in our lives, in our day, 
day by day. That what God did in Austin Carlisle's life, he can do in yours. It looked different. Your journey's different. But we all have brokenness. We all have pain. We all have things that we need made right. So how does this all happen? Because there's a, there's a spiritual and there's a literal element to resurrection. Spiritually, at the moment I believe in Jesus, the moment you believe in Jesus, he comes in and makes you new. He gives you a new nature from the inside out. He doesn't wait for you to get all your stuff together. He doesn't wait for your life to be set in order. It's not God way up there and us down here looking at an Old Testament and a New Testament, looking at all the laws and the things we should do. And once I get it together and I'm better, then God accepts me. And maybe if I'm good enough, I'll get into heaven. God says, no, no, no. I make the heavens and the earth new. I make a new way. Through Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, he does everything that I can't do and offers me free forgiveness. And he offers me new life. He resurrects all the stuff that's been done for me, all the stuff that's been done to me, all the stuff I've done that has hurt me and others. God can take and bring something new from it, something better. That's what makes God God. That's resurrection. And if Easter is just looking back in an event and now we follow a new religious system, that same Paul in, in one of his letters to the Corinthians says it, it's foolishness. Like, if the resurrection didn't happen, and if this is just like a new religious system, we're to be pitied. Pity us, looking back on this dead way. Pity us on following all these rules and regulations that lead nowhere. Instead, this is a living way. It's not about rules and regulations and law and religion. It's about God transforming us from the inside out, and then our lives start to match up to some of those laws and rules and regulations. <laughs> And we start to live and be like Jesus and we experience a different kind of life. It's not about me trying harder, trying to discover who God wants me to be on my best day. It's about God already having a plan for you and I, specifically knowing who we are at the core of who we are, unwrapping and doing away with all that sin has marred us through and ruined us through and bringing about our true identity, not learn from the world or other patterns, but through his design. And his design that happened in Jesus Christ happens in us. And we're made new. And we get new purpose, a new identity. And our purpose in our future is resurrected. How on earth does this happen? It happens as we believe, as we receive, and as we follow. It begins with the moment of belief. We need to believe in our heart, in other words, at the depth of who we are, that Jesus rose from the dead. Meaning, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. God come down, fully human, fully God, that he can take on himself our sin, knowing what it's like to be human, but fully sinless, being able to pay the debt or the penalty for our sin. And as we believe that he did that for us and died, we believe he rose again. We enter into this new way to be human. We're made new. And he comes in at the moment of belief and he makes us new from inside out. And part of that belief process is a receiving. It's a receiving forgiveness as we confess and admit, you know what, I've been sinful. I've been going my own way. My way's terrible. And my way leads to a lot of pain for me and others. Sometimes it's just admitting I am under the curse, what's called the curse of sin, or under the power of sin. The evil in the world is impacting me and I want to be set free from that. 
And so we receive forgiveness and we receive new life as a gift given. That requires belief. And as I believe and as I receive that, and as God makes me new, I make a decision to follow. The Bible sometimes calls that repentance, meaning I'm turning. Just like Peter said, turn from your way, turn to God's. And repentance means I'm deciding to go a new way. It doesn't mean I'll get it perfect all the time. It means that God's grace is bigger than that. And it's not a matter of now, I'm a Christian, so i got to live this way, and I'll try my best, and maybe if I'm good enough, God up there, me down here, he'll accept me and receive me into his kingdom. It means he's made me new inside and out, and I'm learning to be new. And if you've ever learned a new habit, new practice, maybe you started a new job or something like that, and you still do things like your old job, or maybe you, you know, are in a new house, and you're still doing things the way you did old, or we have that as humans. We have these old patterns of behavior and thought and practice. When God makes us new, part of following him means putting the old aside and living into the new. And that's a lifelong process. God's kingdom and his resurrection in our life is both now and not yet. He makes us completely new. That's the promise of resurrection. Anyone who believes, confesses that Jesus is Lord, receives forgiveness for their sins, is made new and can walk a new way. But it takes a lifetime to figure out how to do that. In his strength, his very spirit, his Holy Spirit comes and lives in us to make us new from the inside out. It's a lifelong journey. Here's the central truth of Easter, of Resurrection Day, that Jesus takes something broken and makes it something better, something new. That's what we celebrate. That's what we live. Jesus takes something broken, our broken lives, our broken stuff, and make something better of it, something we can't make on our own because he's God and we're not. Watch this. It's been a couple years I've been on my own Now I know that I'm not alone you're giving me a reason to carry on, to carry on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything is different nowadays. I lost a few ones along the way. I had to learn to trust it'll be okay, it'll be okay. Every moment I was sure I would. kind of love that i never known you took over my heart and you made a home yeah you made a home and all the broken pieces within you put them together again and with you i know story begins begins hey i don't know how but you take all my pain and you turn it into something better Ooh, something better Something better. Ooh, something better. Something better. 
And that's Easter. Nothing you've done can ever keep you from God's love. He came down because he knows our pain. He knows all the broken stuff we have. Whether you've wandered from Jesus or you've never followed him before, ever. There's nothing in our life because death couldn't hold him in its grip. Nothing can hold him back from doing in your life what you need. And all he's waiting for is an invitation to say, yes, I believe, I receive, and I want to follow. And he begins to work and walk with you. That's the promise. That's the celebration on Easter, that Jesus takes something broken, and he makes it something better. The crazy part is this. Jesus doesn't ask us to have it all figured out. He doesn't say we need to know everything perfectly uh, top to bottom. That's actually the journey of following him. He says just a little bit of the right kind of belief, a little bit of the right kind of faith. By right kind, I mean you just simply believe. It doesn't need to be great. It doesn't even just belief, just faith in him that he is who he said he is, that he did what he came to do and that he rose from the dead. That's enough faith for him to begin doing monumental things, mountainous things in your life and bring about change that you can't on your best days. You can't. The Old Testament says this in Psalms. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. All God wants is for you to take refuge in him. All he wants is for you to come back to him or come to him for the first time. Not to have the separation because of sin and because of all of who you are and what the world has done to you. But instead in a moment of belief to receive and to follow. That you would experience the same thing that Austin Carlisle and many of us here have experienced. New life in Jesus. Doesn't mean everything's fixed. Doesn't mean you're made perfect. I mess up. We mess up. But we walk with God, and he makes us new. And journeying with Jesus in this something better life means that each and every day I can be a little bit more of who I actually am in Jesus. Because on my best days, in my own strength and my own power, I am far from who he's called me to be, and I'm far from who he wants me to be. Not because he's got a standard for me to reach, but because he's got a life he wants me to enjoy. And when Jesus returns, he'll make all things new. And we get a new body and sin and pain and grief and all this stuff that ruins our life goes away and we spend eternity. He just wants everyone to have that experience and it starts now and he completes it later. And so all you would ask is that you would come to him. Give him your something broken. Give him your broken life. Give him your hurts, your questions, your doubts. The stuff that's done to you, the stuff you've done yourself. And just give it to him and watch what he can do to make it something better. Not just something better, something completely new. Life from death. That's what Jesus does. That's the hope of today. That's what we get so excited about at Easter. And if you have questions or you're not so sure about all this stuff about, about Jesus, I would be more than happy uh, to meet with you and pray with you, and help you. And if you're here in person and want that, I'll kind of hang around up over this way as we're having some hot cross buns in a few minutes, and I can smell them. Sorry at home. 
Uh, if you are at home and you do uh, want the same thing, just reach out by email or call the church. And there's lots of people here who would be more than happy to help. People who've just decided to follow Jesus a few months ago and those who followed him for years. Hey, we're all on the same journey, but we found the same thing. The treasure, the prize, the promise of resurrection is that I don't have to get it right. Is that the death and the pain and the brokenness that I experience in this world. God doesn't simply come in and undo through his mighty power. He undoes through a mighty power at work to bring life from death. Something better from something broken. And it all starts with belief. And so this morning I encourage you, if you struggle with Jesus, if you're not sure, taste and see. Check it out. Explore. We can give you resources and help answer questions and help you in your journey. And if you've wandered from Jesus, come back. And if you are walking with Jesus and you're just going through a tough time, come back to him and take that new something broken and ask him to do something better that you might experience a fresh resurrection of Jesus in your life. It's so good to be here this morning. Thanks so much. Uh, for everyone, for Chrissy putting together the, the choir and Jake for downstairs and, and people in the kitchen, Steph and, and Chris who are getting the hot cross buns together and such a wonderful uh, service. If you're able to stack chairs, that's great. Don't worry about it though. It'd be great to have them gone, but I'd rather have you spend time together. And uh, if you're not able to stay, hope you can join us again next week. We gather every Sunday at 10. We've got lots of stuff midweek for different ages that we would develop relationship together walk together and we could learn to live resurrected life together being people helping people follow Jesus who did so much for us would you stand this morning as I pray for us to be